0: first Bible reading is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much fine gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors, forgive my hidden faults? Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me, then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The second reading is taken from Ephesians chapter six, starting at verse 12 and going to 20. The armour of God. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray for me also, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Hi
1: guys, I hope you've all settled and you've got your Bible and your coffee, because we've got four points today to look at rather than our normal three points. As I alerted you to uh, a few minutes ago, we're calling this sermon today the Drift of the Hour as we examine what's happening through a biblical lens on the the COVID-19 problem that the world's facing. So let's bow our heads and we'll open in prayer. Lord, you've never left us unattended. You've never left us uninformed. And you've given us your word to guide our footsteps every day uh, of of our life on earth, Father. We pray, Lord, that you'll continue to write your words in our hearts, that our footsteps will be pure and our footsteps will be ones of faith, Lord, heading only to you and not becoming sidetracked. So bless us this day with your truth and your understandings. In the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, I cannot begin today's uh, message without a confession because I've done a fair deal of uh, research and thinking about what other people are saying and, and that's included in the sermon. It's all not what Jeff Taylor has, uh, has worked out for himself. He couldn't work these out for himself so I, I really had to go wider. And we've got uh, the, the great theologian Charles Spurgeon, we've got John Piper and people through the time between Spurgeon and Piper who is uh, with us today. And of course, into this mix between Spurgeon and Piper, I add the greatest of all theologians, Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan really did uh, take up a hulking space in this message, which you'll find out very soon. So please listen up and, uh, and learn from these great men of the past and the present. I also need to say a big thanks to Pete Huxley, who steered me towards John Piper a couple of weeks ago, and I have found much wisdom from these notes. Of John's, and I've included them as well in this message. Now, guys, we are in times that are very fragile, and in times where we learn about the fragility of the skeleton of planet Earth, it's being revealed for what it truly is. Let me give you an example. About ten days ago, two weeks ago, petrol was being overproduced in America, and instead of people buying petrol, they were being paid to take petrol from the petrol companies. Now I think that paradox lasted only two days, but who would have thought, going back even to the start of this virus uh, pandemic, that such events could happen on on the face of this earth. Uh, The liquid, the black gold, the black liquid gold, now is being uh, literally given away. People were being paid to take it. So things are quite fragile on the earth and things are being reversed, and reversed in a manner no man could predict. Now the inquiring mind wants to make sense of life. More so now we want to make sense of it. Uh, I think within man uh, it's his unnamed, unspoken curriculum that lies, in each hu- that lies resident in each human's heart. That is to find reason. But what God's done in all of this, in the searching for reason, he's made himself very easily known, very easily recognised. So reason is quite available. Let me read you the first verse from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Now the reason why we don't have knowledge as the Lord would have us have knowledge, is we don't look to him, we don't look up to him. He is not hidden, he hasn't hidden himself, and reason is still available, but the path to finding reason is to look up, it's not to look down or to look sideways, and what I want to do today is look to him. It's my desire today to peek behind the veil to the operations of the heavenlies. The Bible gives us many hints to the dark and light spiritual places and realities to the power, to the authorities, to the principalities that operate unseen across this earth. Every moment of every day they impact our planet and the breaths that we draw, but we don't even see. Now, behind the physical, there's spiritual impact. And I want to say that we need to note at this point that although we're in uh, very unusual times, even unprecedented times, uh, I keep hearing said, These days are not unique. Now, Ephesians is important. It's explaining much of of the dark and the light, the spiritual places and the powers and realities to us. Ephesians grasps at the spirit world of darkness and indeed thoroughly equips us us to resist it. Paul says in Ephesians 3.10, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We can't doubt the rulers and authorities. We can't doubt the principalities. There's a lot more to this world that we can't explain, but the Bible is pointing to. Paul goes on to Ephesians, and he says in Ephesians 6, sorry, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Much is happening unseen, and much continues to happen unseen, and much has happened unseen for the life of um, the lifespans of, of this world. Now, I can't escape the fact that there's far more to COVID than uh, the news reports give us and the, med- uh, the doctors and the medical people are able to explain. I can't escape that the last six months and the biblical parallels are here for us today. Yet thankfully, the biblical parallels of the last six months um, are not of biblical proportions. But for Australia, I can't comment on the rest of the world, obviously. We have been through droughts, bushfires and then floods. I know back to back, there was no gap in between one disaster to another. And then right on the back of the floods, we now have in Australia, particularly the COVID virus. Now we've got this pattern within Australia I, don't, I would suspect that this pattern is further in the world if you could examine the, uh, the weather patterns in other countries, but I can't do that. So these proportions, these biblical parallels, I'm drawing for Australia at this point. Now, I can't help but think, therefore, about the plagues, uh, the plagues that led to the Passover. Now, it's a guess but I don't think you'll be able to disagree because history doesn't record that's that far back or largely doesn't record. Um, the Passover was the first lockdown in history. Now, the lockdown was for the protection of the Israelites and behind the closed doors, the Lord fed and filled his own. That is what the sacrifice of the part of the sacrificial lamb was about. They were being fed before they were fleeing. The Israelites are being fed by before they were fleeing and they had to eat the whole of the sheep, the whole of the lamb. So redeem the time with the Lord when in lockdown. And that's what we still are, although it's just starting to lessen, isn't it? Redeem the time with the Lord when in lockdown for He desires to feed you and then to set you free. Because what the lockdown is, it's about waiting. As indeed the Israelites had to wait for The angel of death to pass over, so too we are waiting in a place that's safe and it's an enforced waiting. It's been enforced by our government and there is punishment if we don't wait according to the rules that are set. Now in the Passover the Israelites were locked up to avoid death while others were dying and then God's people found freedom but we can't escape the fact that we are locked up too to avoid death while there are still people around us that are dying as well. Now, COVID-19 is not merely random, not some cruel event of Mother Nature. It is purposeful. Now, I can't escape once again the nature of the lockdown of the Passover without understanding where it was intended to go, because what God was doing with his, with his people, the Israelites are in slavery in Egypt, he was taking them from Egypt and he was taking them to paradise, to the Promised Land. First they were locked down, first they were in slavery, and then they were released. So it's the greatest of our challenges to remember that during the plagues, the plagues are not the end in themselves, that they are that which will lead to paradise. And That's a parallel I want to draw for today, as much as it was relevant for um, 3,000 years ago. In the greatest of our challenges, remember the plagues led to paradise. But what we need to do in the trip to paradise after we're released from the lockdown, don't copy the Israelites who only did circle work in the desert, in the desert of sin, as they kicked the sand, because they weren't looking up to the skies, they were not looking up to count the stars, they weren't looking to the Lord, they were bemoaning their situation and looking over their shoulders, thinking Egypt and slavery was better than the paradise they were headed to. So please don't copy them in this time of re- when release is just beginning to happen. Keep looking up to God and keep looking for his guidance, his counsel and his understanding. Now, I read during the week, and I don't know where it came from, but it's good quote about prayer. Every news update is a reminder to pray. The purpose of the lockdown, the purpose of the, uh, the virus is as much a reminder to pray as it is anything else, because that'll get our hearts going high. They'll get our hearts dependent, and not just dependent upon the wisdom of man to create a vaccine. It'll be dependent on the strength and power of God to deliver us. So I want to to, uh, counsel us to interpret the new events and the news events that arrive in the light of the Bible and not just in the, how the media interprets them, and certainly not just through the scientists. Now, the scientists, the scientists may or may not have an answer. We do not know that yet at all. But the Bible makes sense of what we can't, and that's what I want to continue to do, make sense of what we can't. So, the purpose of the plagues... This is the awakening of an indifferent world with the men with all men losing their objects of worship because they are locked away from them. The world is indifferent to the good Lord, but it is not indifferent to what men worship. But now what we worship has been locked away from us. Now here comes Hulk Hogan. He posted this on Instagram. I think it was the beginning of April, so that would be about four weeks ago. These are his words. It's copied verbatim. So Hulk Hogan says in his, in his, uh, in his great and bold uh, character, word up. Can you handle the truth, my brother? He goes on and he says, in three short months, just like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes? I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I will shut down the civic centers. You want to worship actors? I will shut down the theaters. God continued to say, you want to worship money? I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You don't want to go to church and worship me? I will make it where you can't go to church. If my people who are called by my name, he continues to go on and quote the Bible, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's a quote from 2 Chronicles. Now, maybe we don't need a vaccine, Hulk Hogan continues to say. Maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing in the world that really matters, Jesus. Hulk Hogan is encouraging us to redeem the time of isolation and look to what we truly worship, because what we worship is what we're missing out on now and we want to be restored to us. Now, John Piper explains, so I've got two quotes from him, the physical horrors around us have become a visible witness to the horrors of sin. Physical evil is a drama, a parable, a signpost pointing to the moral outrage of rebellion against God. I can't get past the truth of that. Physical evil is a drama, a parable, a signpost pointing to the moral outrage of rebellion against God. John Piper continues, the virus is God's thunderclap to repent and realign our lives with the infinite worth of Christ. Now, let's go back to Pharaoh again. Pharaoh was mighty slow to learn. Moses' approach to Pharaoh was always to seek the Israelites' release for worship. That was the purpose of their release. That was the purpose of where they were heading so they could be free to worship God. The plagues were to to release men's hearts as much as their feet. That they are free to worship. Now, I want to say that as we start to reflect upon the meaning of suffering and pain, and the death that's um, occurring around us, the Christian's experience of calamity is not for condemnation, but rather for conviction of faith. There's something different there, isn't it, between condemnation where you're accused and conviction where you're raised up. So, as Christians. Our faith can be convicted and grow through times of calamity, whereas at other t- where other people may find the times are of condemnation, but they'd have to look backward to notice that. Now let me read to you Exodus 5:1. This is the first time Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, "This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says: says Let my people go." so that they may worship me in the wilderness. Now as you read the ensuing uh, journeys Aaron and Moses take to Pharaoh in Exodus 6, 7, 8, 9 and uh, probably 10, they're each, approaching, each approach is to invite Pharaoh to release the Israelites so they can worship God, so they can hold a festival to him at his mountain in the desert. See, waiting reveals what we worship. It reveals what a man longs for when all is taken away. When all is stripped away, what does man long for? And then the desires of his heart aren't met. When all is stripped stripped away, the desires of his heart aren't met. So the desires that keep bubbling up are the ones that will show what he worships, who he worships, because they're the things he's missing out on most. Waiting reveals what you worship. What a man loves can't be contained any more more than water can be compressed. It will always pop up. And it popped up two days ago when the beaches were opened again, only for a swim. Not Not for sunbathing or sitting on the beach, but just for recreation. And how many people went into cold waters simply because they love swimming so much? Now, not only does waiting reveal what you worship, but waiting reveals a man's, excuse me, waiting reveals a man's maturity, for maturity is the ability to delay reward. Now if you accept that as a definition, maturity is the ability to delay reward, that is the measure of a lockdown, how we behave when our rewards are withheld, our rewards are our worship. Lockdowns shine a torch on man's hearts. Look at the USA and the UK. They now have little regard, therefore little maturity, for the delay of their worship and rewards. And so what arrives? Rebellion. Life is entirely about worship. So is heaven, so is hell. We end up at the places that we worshiped. Hulk Hogan was right. Now the world today is washed in many fears, so Hulk Hogan Hogan was right in his assessment that uh, what we've had stripped from us now in these times through COVID-19 is what we worship. And the world today is washed in many fears, because it fears fears that it will lose its worship. This season where money is lost, much money is lost, trade is suppressed and profits are as vapour, mankind laments. But this is what mankind worships and fears so desperately to lose. It would be interesting to know whether more money has been put into securing economies than into saving lives. I don't know how to measure that, but certainly the lament is that we don't want the world's economy to fall. Yet it's still under challenge, so people are still mourning what could happen with money. Now, Revelation 18 says, The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over Babylon because no one buys their cargoes any more. They, they weep and mourn because they can't make profit, because that's what they worship. So life is entirely about worship. It's just the object of worship that changes. Now, I want to go on and look at the days of Noah and just pick this passage up briefly from Luke 13. Because we must learn to examine calamity, for the days that Jesus returns will be similar to when the flood came—the days of Noah. Refuse to be naive or accommodating about the ever deepening sin, sinking countless Christians, and greater sin drowning the globe yet again. People could not discern the times, nor did they discern Noah, nor, nor did they discern—did they listen to Noah? Now Noah was a preacher of righteousness in a time of wickedness, and so too those who are preachers of righteousness today will not be listened to but hounded down. Discern Discern the times we are in, the days of Noah. God reset the ancient times of prehistory with a worldwide flood, but man still did not learn. They, all to a man, returned to their old and wicked ways after the flood. Now Luke 13, I'm going to read the five verses if you want to look it up, one to five, is clear about the meaning of calamity. Now there was some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish, or those 18 who died, when the tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Jesus has has directly linked calamity to, um, to judgment. It's always wise to examine calamity and not just dismiss this as bad luck. Now John Piper wrote on this passage, the meaning of the the meaning of these disasters today is for everyone and the passage is repent or perish Jesus says it twice unless you repent you will all likewise perish unless you repent you'll always you will all likewise perish twice in five verses so the the big hint here is guys learn from these times don't repeat them, should should restoration arise, but change behaviour, repent from the sin when restoration returns. The lessons of today are to be recalled tomorrow. So what we're learning now and when we get in tomorrow, we look back at and say, I don't want to continue that sort of sin anymore. So what God's doing is resetting the times. The world is bleeding for certainty in uncertain times. For whether yesterday was good or bad, it held a familiar and comfortable certainty that is still locked away today. Now, we want certainty in life, so we want to recapture what we had yesterday, what we had six months ago. So we will we return to our old ways? Now, the wise person isn't going to return to our old ways as God, reset time, as God resets the times. But will the world return to its old ways? when the COVID virus is finished or defeated. Now, the Bible says to me in 1 Peter 4, 1, he who has suffered is done with sin. Now, the whole world is suffering and literally dying, many people are, and uh, shake-ups are for losing and for gaining. They are not for the maintenance of a previous status quo. They are for improvement. So the question must arise, are we done with sin, despite the fact we're suffering? Are we done? Will we make changes in the future, or return to our old ways? This is the waking up of an indifferent, or more likely these days, a very rebellious generation. He who has suffered has done with sin, but do we know we have sinned? So let's start to tie this all together. Final point I want to make is the gift of desperation. Desperation creates purpose, lest we all simply drift. We're all too too easily satisfied with what we have and what the world offers without looking to what the Lord offers. C.S. Lewis noted, we are are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, excuse me, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud piles in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased, so we miss the things of heaven. We miss the things of the Lord, which are so far superior to the offerings of this earth, to the offerings and the, the bright baubles of Babylon. The reason why God exposes us to such losses is that we may reach up for him, reach up to him. He wants to be found. He isn't hiding. It's why we read Psalm 19. It's the same in in Romans chapter 1 you can can check up on. God wants to be found because he is so superior. He is so better than anything this world has. Now, George Harrison the Beatle, when he died, I think it was 1999 or 1998, Upon his deathbed, reflected, and George Harrison had done a lot of search in the religion, particularly the, the Eastern mystical religions in his time. A multi millionaire, gozillionaire, I think uh, Forrest Gump would say. Had the fame of the world, he had the glory of the world, he had the popularity of the world, he had, uh, he had abilities beyond a lot of other humans. And this is what he said on his deathbed. Everything on earth can wait, but the search for God cannot. I don't know if he found God, I don't know if he found the Lord Jesus, but that's what his reflection on on death was, or reflection on life was at his death. Everything on earth can wait, but the search for God cannot. It is in God we live and move and have our being. This all men must apprehend. They think it's in themselves. But it's not, it's in God, it's because of God we live and move and have our being. Can I say, men are never random islands created by a prehistoric calamity. Men are never random islands created by a prehistoric calamity. Now, I want to read to you a passage I discovered, I didn't discover but I read, uh, it became important to me when I was in Greece, uh, I don't know, about 20 years ago now, from Acts 17. 17. In the back of Athens, you can go up to the Areopagus, <coughs> excuse me, where Paul preached. And the Areopagus is, on a, is a big rock where a council used to meet, which is also called the Areopagus. And the speakers would stand on top of this rock. And on the side of this rock, in, in um, bronze, is in, written in Greek, "This Paul's speech from Acts 17. Now, I want to pull two verses out of that speech because they have sat with me since I went back to my hotel and read this uh, passage in English. It says, God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, not just some of the earth. Remember after the, after the flood, they went and settled in Shinar. Uh, all of the face of the earth was God's intentions for mankind to live. It goes on and he says... God having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. God's determined where we live and the boundaries of where we go. Why? That they should seek him and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. God wants to be found. We are all in the places where we will find God that he has, that we will reach up to him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. That's Acts 17, 26 to 27. We are not random islands created by a prehistoric calamity. We were made and put on earth in determined places and boundaries to live. Why? That they should seek him, that we should seek God and perhaps feel our way forward towards him. Reach up and find him. Yet he is not actually far from each one of us. Can you see that the purposes of our our life are to find him. Calamity is meant to throw us to our knees. Now, there are a great German theologian, Karl Barth, penned, prayer is the uprising against a sense of disorder. Now, whatever we have in the earth at the moment, we have a sense of disorder, as people want to claim and reclaim their old certainties and their old orders. But the smart person's going to get on their knees and not just seek to reclaim but seek heaven against this sense of disorder. Christians will learn to ever draw close to Christ while the world may indeed reach up to heaven and find him. Why? Because the heavens bear witness to him and God has put us in places so that we will find him because he is not far away. Now let's tie all this together in four points. A sage, a wise man will look past the veil, whether in seasons of ease or or erosion. The wise man is going to look to the powers and the principalities, to the authorities and the things we can't see, to, to mull and wonder about what's happening. They will not just accept what science says and certainly not what the media says. They'll look for extra reasons because God has placed us in times and places that we will seek him and find him. Recall the plagues. The plagues weren't just a coincidence any more than what we've had here in Australia has been a coincidence. Take the time of warning now. Read this season through humble minds, not proud minds that say it can't be God uh, working judgment in our lives. It can't be God working his provision in our lives to, to gain our attention. Because if we believe believe those proud thoughts, the warnings will not be heeded and then the second state becomes worse than the first. Remember that. If I don't understand God's work behind the scenes, if I don't look to God's work behind the scenes, the second state for us will eventually become worse than the first and I don't want that. Examine your worship in these times, the third point to wrap up on. Examine your worship. What have you felt you lost the most through the lockdowns? What were the things that you lamented most in losing? They're the things that were most important to you. If it's the Lord, your God, and you withdrew to him, or you lost him and you lost your sense of worship, that's good because it shows that that was the most important thing to you. But if you found something else you lost, was even more important than worship. Then here's a time to restructure your life and resettle your heart. And now is the time to stand upon the rock above all else because we are in testing times. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 to 11 says, "For For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him, not live apart, but live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. One of the things I've missed over the last eight weeks is the fact of being able to gather together and encourage one another. That's what church is for. As well as um, worshipping the Lord, we can build each other up. Edification is is the New Testament term. And so as we consider our our life standing upon the rock, we consider therefore also how he would have us meet with each other and encourage each other. And to that purpose, today we're going to have some morning tea after this uh, message finishes and we'll share that via Zoom, and I'll send you some. Um, I've sent you some emails on Friday about how all this will work. So please uh, continue to watch and then join in with Zoom. So to wrap up, that last those last few points, guys. Please, we need to look behind the veil and see spiritual spiritual realities are not physical realities. Recall the plagues; they are a time of warning lest we don't heed them and the second state becomes worse than the first. Third, examine the worship. The things that you have lost, as Hulk Hogan described, that you really lament are the things that are most important in your heart. And finally, let me repeat, now is the time to stand upon the rock because we are all in testing times. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and well in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you haven't left us unattended, you haven't left us without witness, and you are not far from us. Lord, that our hearts will continue to nurture your word, that we may be built up and build others up too, in your word and in our lives. We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.